Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. I am so glad you guys are here. Today is Thursday, December 30th. We are eking our way toward the end of 2021. I, for one, am very, very glad to see that. I have noticed a trend in American politics, and it is more troubling to me by the day. And so we're going to talk about it today. The reason why I think public servants should never be celebrities. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. I know, uh, again, I know a lot of you are noticing a little bit of a change in the sound of the podcast. That is because, again, I am recording from my home in the woods in Battleground, Washington. We decided it was uh, safer for me to stay home. And so that's what I'm doing. So the view out my window is absolutely spectacular. Uh, Just, you know, a forest full of beautiful trees with no leaves on them and snow everywhere. And actually, the sun is starting to peek through today. So uh, it's a beautiful time of year here in the Pacific Northwest. And I know a lot of you, my sister, for one thing, is enjoying almost the entire month of December uh, in Florida. So uh, I know a lot of you don't have snow. A lot of you are, and I was talking to Kay Orr. She is one of my most favorite uh, people in the whole world, happens to work for me. And it was, I think she said it was 80 degrees there yesterday. <laughs> so in Texas, in Abilene. So I was like, wow. Uh, but here it's about 20, 25 degrees outside and snowing. So uh, that makes me as snug as a bug in a rug right here in my own home. Uh, today, I'm going to spend a little bit of time, maybe tomorrow also, because I feel like this might turn into a two-part podcast, uh, I'm noticing something in the conservative movement. It's absolutely in American politics, not just the conservative movement, but it troubles me, especially in the conservative movement, uh, as I have, you know, dipped my feet into the political realm. And in many respects, you know, I often, I know that the Lord asked me to to run for office. And so I've talked about that on the podcast before. I don't think you should run for office unless you absolutely know that you've been called for it. It's a very challenging uh, thing to do. But more than that, I mean, nothing that's that's worth doing in this life is easy. I don't care what it is. Uh, marriage could be homeschooling, could be raising children, trying to start a, a business uh, from the ground up, which I have done with my husband um, several times, or running for office. If things are worth doing, then they're going to come uh, with difficulty. And I think that is true in in many, many respects. But recently, I've been noticing, uh, I would say probably over the last couple of years, but certainly seeing it more recently, and we've seen this in ministry too, that when we elevate people to positions of authority and they take that authority and that and it it turns into celebrity, uh, the reason why we're doing it in the first place is lost. And I'm noticing this. Uh, I've seen this trend. Many of you, you know, followed Mars Hill. If you haven't been listening, by the way, uh, a pastor friend of mine asked me the other day if I had heard the Mars Hill, basically the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It's a podcast and. I hadn't listened to it, but I've started recently, just in the last couple of days, just listening to that podcast. And it's stunning to me that the thing that we see in common, whether it's the fall of a, of a pastor, the you know fall from grace, or whether it's uh, a politician who is caught um, in a lie or they're embezzling, almost always a common denominator is pride. C.S. Lewis said that if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. 
The first step is to realize that one is proud and a biggish step too. at least nothing, whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, you are very conceited indeed. And Benjamin Franklin said, there is perhaps not one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride, beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases. And it is still alive. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. And this is something I'm noticing, particularly rearing its ugly head right now in American politics, whereby we have taken our politicians and we have elevated them to celebrity status. And as I was thinking about what we know to be true about pride, uh, as men and women of faith, anybody who has studied the Bible for any length of time knows that pride is one of the seven deadly sins. It's one of the things that uh, that the Bible teaches us to run away from, literally to stay as far away from pride as we possibly can get. Because the truth of the matter is pride uh, eventually squashes our ability to even hear from the Lord. We're called rather to be uh, to be servants. And the Bible says that the, the greatest uh, really should be the least among us. And so... The only way that we're going to, I think, see the changes that we need to to see in the country is for the people who are elected officials and people who are leaders in the country, whether you're elected officials or whether you're not. I don't care if you're all of us have influence, right? We have we have influence in our families. We have influence in uh, our churches. We have influence in the lives of our friends. And then influence obviously grows as platform grows, right? So this is why you see so many people on, you know, on Instagram. And, you know, uh, I've said this many times on the show over the years that platform is what's coveted right now. But as I said on the show the other day, Tucker Carlson at Turning Point made a very, uh, he had a wonderful presentation and he was talking about the allure of fame and how completely pointless it is. And as I was considering, you know, talking about this on the show, it occurred to me that in the country right now, one of the most devastating things that has happened to us is we have elevated celebrity over servant leadership. And anyone who is elected to office should be running as a servant. These are people who are supposed to be listening to the needs of the people and going to their state capitals or going to the capital of the United States to do the work of the people. And instead what we've done is we've turned it into we've turned them into celebrities and they're, you know, these are the people that we see on the news. When I was at a, a political event recently, I was horrified to see people that are considered political celebrities walking down the halls of this um uh, event and people would literally scream like the Beatles were entering the room. It was it was very weird. And fame is a dangerous drug. And I've had just a, a taste of fame in my career as an author and a speaker. And I can tell you right now, uh, at the end of the day, it's an illusion that fame is something that satisfies. Because at the end of the day, the the relationships that matter most are the real ones. They're the relationship that you have with your spouse. It's the relationships that you build with your children and with your grandchildren, the people that you work with who share a passion for um, whatever it is that you're passionate about, right? The, the The in real life relationships. And it's interesting, uh, how 
closely mirrored fame is and fortune is, but particularly fame with failure in your personal life to do the thing you started out to do in the first place. And we have got to stop doing this, particularly with our uh, ministry leaders and with our political leaders. And I'm not sure what the answer is. All I know for sure is that I think social media is making it, you know, it's making it a whole lot harder. But I just want to tell you guys uh, today to really be praying that humility returns to our leaders, because we're we're struggling right now uh, with celebrity culture in politics. And I think it is, if this is the future of the conservative movement, we have to be asking ourselves, what is the conservative movement about? The conservative movement is about conserving the things that are good about the United States, the history of our country, not about denying the things that are bad in the past uh, in the history of the country, but conserving the things that are good and promoting them and maintaining them and preserving them for future generations, the nuclear family uh, being one of them, the things that made the nation great, the idea that our founding fathers would give of their time, their treasure and their sacred honor to secure for us the blessings of liberty. And instead, what we've seen is the celebrity culture in one form or another coming into the political realm in ways that I have never seen before. And we need to be praying for our leaders, praying that they would have humility because uh, we are wired, I think, to fire, to follow people that we admire. And I think in many cases, we elevate them too much. And the research has been done and it shows that when we listen to a charismatic speaker, uh, the executive function part of our brain actually shuts down. We literally turn off our critical thinking because we're just basking in the glow of a, of a, of a person who has incredible charisma. Uh, the person that comes to mind, of course, for me is Barack Obama. I watched him. The guy was just, a, for, for, from a political standpoint, at least for me, uh, he was an empty suit talking. There are several people in politics right now that are running for office that do not deserve this um, this uh, closing down of our critical thinking because we you know they have a particular look or they can speak a particular way, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't admire and respect people who deserve it or even look up to them for wisdom as long as we can keep our our critical thinking um, meter running. But it does mean that we need to choose very, very carefully those that we respect and those that we follow. And it also means that people who um, are elevated to these positions need to be very, very careful to maintain humility. So um, I read something and I thought I would read this back to you uh, today on the podcast and I'll link back to it in the show notes today. It's called Pride, A Leader's Greatest Problem. Pull a $10 bill from your pocket. And you will see the face of Alexander Hamilton on the front. By merit of his accomplishments, Hamilton should be one of our greatest national heroes. Consider his contributions to America. Uh, He's a revolutionary war hero. 
He was George Washington's chief of staff by the age of 22, America's first secretary of the treasury, co-author of the Federalist Papers, which I am reading right now, creator of the Coast Guard, designer of the nation's banking and finance system, which we'll have to talk about in another podcast, architect of a system of tax collection to bring revenue revenue to the U.S. government, builder of the infrastructure for an industrial economy, yet despite displaying the greatest blend of legal, political, and financial knowledge of the founding fathers, Hamilton does not rank among the foremost heroes of our nation's history. Why? Because of pride. Hamilton's self-importance and inability to take an insult alienated those around him and sabotaged his career. His ego literally killed him. Far too vain to patch up differences with a fellow politician, Aaron Burr, Hamilton was shot and killed by Burr in a duel at the age of 49. And I'm, I'm looking what's happening, uh, looking around at what's happening with our political class right now. And we are literally creating in American politics, the thing that we say we don't want, which is political elites. Why? How does this happen? This happens because we elevate people beyond where they should be elevated. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that we don't respect our leaders. And clearly, if somebody has the chutzpah to run for office, clearly, if they've, they've demonstrated an ability, we should be looking to see what are these people doing that is actually advancing the cause of liberty and freedom for the people that they want to serve and the people that they are claiming uh, that they care about. And so before diving into this, uh, there was another uh, another really great guy who said uh, basically that pride is the leading culprit of managerial ineffectiveness. In other words, if we have a leader who is full of himself or herself, it really will hamper their ability to lead at the end of the day. And this is what a guy named Dave Anderson said. He said, there are many reasons that managers fail. For some, the organization outgrows them. Others don't change with the times. Some spread themselves too thin and work too hard and long, but not smart. Many abandon the priorities and disciplines that once made them great and never get back to them. A few make poor character choices. But all these courses for management and leadership failure have their root in one common cause, pride. In the simplest terms, pride is devastating. I'm not talking about the pride that one has in their work or their accomplishments. I'm indicting the pride that inflates your sense of self-worth and distorts your perspective of reality. And there are two kinds of pride. There's a good pride and a bad pride, right? So good pride represents um, our dignity and our self-respect. Bad pride is what the Bible calls the deadly sin of superiority that reeks of conceit and arrogance. And when you look at the word pride, notice the middle letter is I. When you're full of pride on the inside, it makes you stiff and stubborn and creates strife with other people. And you watch the relationships around you begin to deteriorate. And I've been thinking about this and, and, and praying over it a lot, particularly based on what I'm seeing on the news and social media and some of the events that I've been uh, privileged to attend recently, you know, events all over the uh, the state of Washington and even around the country where I'm meeting people and I'm, and I've just been saying, Lord, you know, bring us back to a place of humility. The leaders in this country 
the the political elites, the people that are uh, pushing for interference with parental relationships, you can see that absolutely clearly in Washington state. That's for sure. Where the schools are interfering in the lives of parents. Uh, I read a, uh, an article just yesterday that sent a shiver up my spine and I'll link back to it in the show notes today. But it was a very clear indictment and a very clear linking to how the state views itself and this incredible hubris that the state believes it knows better than parents do. Anyway, you we see this certainly in the schools. We see this with the Department of Education. We see the hubris and the pride that is really now just become part and parcel to how we view our leaders. And we've seen this Um, you know, certainly in our politicians, if you hear anybody saying, you know, I alone can fix it, I will stop the virus, you know, I'm going to adjudicate the election, I, 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 um, this is a symptom of a larger problem. And so when it comes to pride, I told you a minute ago, C.S. Lewis had labeled it as the great sin, because it leads to every other vice. And in in politics, and in ministry, where the intoxication of power, what ends up happening is it magnifies the most modest of our flaws and pride is often the original sin, that sense of personal importance that fuels a politician's ambitions and prefigures what ends up happening to them at the end of the day. And so public service is not for the faint of heart. Absolutely. But it certainly should be uh, noted that it was never intended to be, a role in which we elevate people beyond what they should be elevated. I read an article and, and frankly, I don't, there's a lot of the article that I don't like. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes uh, today, but I did think this was interesting. They said, rise by the sword, fall by the sword. Public service is not for the timid or the humble, particularly in this modern age when running for office and the endless phone calls, handshakes and fundraising it entails requires an almost pathological level of drive and determination. And among U.S. presidential contenders seeking the highest office in the land, such ambition is particularly pronounced. If you're asking for the power to blow up the world, says Claremont McKenna College uh, politics professor John Pitney, then you have a very big ego to begin with. And I, I got to thinking about, you know, how we look at our leaders and maybe instead of treating them like celebrities, we should be committing even more to praying for them, encouraging them, uh, getting groups of people to pray, because it is really true. And I can tell you as a person now who is, you know, very, very entrenched in running for the House of Representatives, uh, it, it takes a lot of chutzpah. And I'm watching around me exactly what this author is referring to, this pathological level of drive and determination, which ruins families and marriages. And by the time the person actually gets into into that position of authority, the rest of their life is often in shambles. And this is wrong. This is wrong. When we look at who we're interviewing for positions of leadership, I don't care where it is. It could be in the church. It could be in, for goodness sake, school board. You know, forget the federal seats. There could be local positions of authority inside of a town. How many uh, stories have we heard over the years of people who, you you know, uh, when they leave office, you find out that they left behind a trail of broken relationships 
And this is where I keep saying, we've got to do better when we look at our leaders and humility is the mark of a good leader. As soon as you run to a place where you have come up against yourself, I guess, is the, was what I'm trying to say. And you realize, oh my goodness, uh, I have an ego the size of New York. Then it's time to step back because you need a reality check. We are called to, prideful leaders really do believe that they have all the answers. And this is what we're seeing in the Biden administration. When you see, hear people say, I'm going to stop the virus. Frankly, this is what we're seeing in Trump right now, uh, who is who is saying, you know, this was the greatest achievement of my presidency. Well, I, I beg to differ, but what does it come down to? It comes down to a self-importance, a view of ourselves. And we have been warned over and over and over. When it, when it comes to leaders and people who, because we're, you know, God chose to work through people, right? There's none of us, the Bible says, there's no, there's none, not righteous, no, not one. We need to be committed to looking for people who are uh, humble at heart and who understand the value of servant leadership and why we do it in the first place. Why do we run for office? Why do we seek a position of authority? Or maybe we don't seek it. Maybe it comes to us and eventually that pride seeps in. And how many uh, how many stories could we all sit around the table and talk about pride that has uh, taken down national organizations? And so this article that was talking about um, Hamilton listed the problems of pride and some of them are excellent. I'm just going to end uh wrap up today by reading a couple of them to you. The uh, problems of pride. One, it stops you from building a team. Prideful leaders readily contract Superman syndrome and devalue the benefits of teamwork. They rely on their own prowess to solve problems and advance an organization. Blinded by self-centeredness, arrogant leaders are unable to appreciate the strengths in others too. Pride renders us unteachable. Leaders who are assured that they know everything don't bother with personal growth because their ego convinces them that they have arrived, and so they quit searching for life's lessons in the people and circumstances around them. Three, pride closes our mind to feedback. It deafens us to the advice and warnings of those around us. As Stephen Covey has said, it takes humility to seek feedback. It takes wisdom to understand it, to analyze it, and appropriately act on it. Without humility, we care only about one opinion, our own. Four, pride prevents us from admitting mistakes. The Duke of Wellington once haughtily drew himself up to his full height and thundered to one of his staff officers, God knows I have many faults, but being wrong is not one of them. Pride doesn't allow for failure. The egotistical leader blames mistakes on others, justifies them as inevitable, or refuses to acknowledge them. You guys, this is politics, right? 101. I mean, this is what we expect now, right? People not taking responsibility, not saying, man, you know, I wish I hadn't done that, or that was a mistake, or in hindsight, I wish I would have gone a different direction. We rarely, if ever, hear this from our leaders right now. Six, pride encourages poor character choices. Because of arrogance, ignorance, or a little of both, leaders start taking shortcuts that compromise their values. In conceit, they think they are above the rules or too smart to get caught. Seven, pride hinders us from reaching our potential. For leaders to reach full potential, they must be aware of areas in which they can improve. Unfortunately, pride blocks an honest self-assessment and prevents us from finding a path to a better performance. Eight, pride destroys relationships. Boy, how many times have we seen this? Nine, pride distorts your perspective on reality. Constantly viewing life through the lens of selfish ambition colors a leader's outlook. Many problems in business are caused by the ego interfering with judgment. 
And so um, I'm going to come back tomorrow because I've been, you know, making some notes. And I think, you know, if we're going to correct it, obviously, first, we got to recognize it and admit it. But then I believe that so much of the answer to egotistical leadership is expressing gratitude. Henry Ward Beecher said, a proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. And uh, boy, you know, as I've, like I told you guys, I mean, I spend quite a bit of time talking with my family and those around me, a lot of people at the Homeschool Resource Center, people on the on, on my campaign staff, and the amount of heartbreak that I hear on a regular basis and the disillusionment with our leaders is never going to be solved by elevating them to celebrity status. Instead, we need to be thinking of others as more important than ourselves, right? This is, this is, um, this is God's word, you know, that each of us should be considered one another as more important than ourselves. And that's really where I want to end today. Uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter two, verse three says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And boy, uh, we need this. You know, we, we've been talking a lot about what's wrong with the country and all the things that are happening. And we, you know, I keep hearing people say, we need revival. We need revival. Well, revival doesn't come without repentance. And as we move into this new year, I am praying with a fresh heart and fresh eyes that the Lord would first show me what are the areas in my life that I need to say, hey, you know what? I could easily veer off course here. And that requires A, that we come before the Lord and B, that we're willing to ask uh, if you have adult children, boy, they're a good barometer for you. But talking to your children, talking to your spouse, the people that are in your life that actually know you, not people that follow you on social social media. Um, you know, I think that the best barometers are the people that are in our lives that would tell us the truth. The Bible says that the wounds of a friend are faithful. In other words, uh, they're a real friend is going to tell you the truth. And so what a place for us to start off in 2022 with humility before the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 12, 10, that we are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love and outdo ourselves in honoring other people. Galatians 5, 26, let us not become conceited, uh, provoking and envying one another, but instead submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I think this is the heart of service that God honors. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to come back tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and we're going to talk a little bit about entering the new year with a heart of gratitude and some ways that we can actually make that happen. It always starts in our families. It starts in our communities. And that is how I believe that we're going to start to see real movement uh, in our churches. You know, there's These are conversations that obviously can go on for hours and hours because there are so many things that COVID has exposed in the culture. But I really do believe a heart of gratitude is a really good place to start. We love you guys. I hope that you are checking out Mom Strong International. We have a brand new study. We're going to be teaching you how to study the Bible for the month of January. If you've never studied the Bible, you guys do not need to go to Bible college. We're going to teach you um, some ways to approach God's word that will help you understand it so that when you open it, you can read it and be open to what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to teach you as you read his word. So check it out. You guys can join me at momstronginternational.com. Have a great day, everybody, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.